thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Guys, great to uh, see you and connect with you today. I know something about every single one of you here in the room and those of you online. Scared now, aren't you? Every single one of you wants something about your life to change, right? There's something about some aspect of your life that you want to be different. You want to be new. You want to be better. You want something to change. Maybe it's about a habit that you've got. Maybe it's uh, an area of your finances. Uh, Maybe it's a relationship or marriage situation. Maybe it's something at work that you want to change. Maybe it's something about your faith and your relationship with God that you want something to change. You wish it could be different. You wish it could be better. You wish it could be new. Maybe it's even something about your weight, okay, as we come out of lockdown. In fact, um, lockdown weight's an interesting thing. I, I had a chat with somebody this week, and she, called, she didn't call it lockdown weight. She called it a happy weight, all right, a happy weight. And uh, the reason that the shirt is open is not a fashion statement, all right? That's, let me just make that really clear, okay? I've got to work on a little bit of lockdown weight. And maybe you're a little bit like this uh, in these kind of pictures here. Did you know diet stands for, did I eat that? Okay, I'm so many of you have ever thought that. Did I really eat that? Or this little dog, it must be the collar as he's looking at the weight on, 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 the, on the machines. Or the third one here, Sunday carbs don't count. Those are the Lord's carbs and he wants us to be happy. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Just love that. Thank you for the Sunday carbs. And then this one, the final one. In only one month, you can do it too. Register now, Photoshop. All right, it's nothing to do with the way. And here's the thing. I know something else about all of you as well. Not only do you want something about your life to change, but you have the willpower and you're one of these people and you read all these things like willpower defeats all powers, but you know deep down willpower alone won't bring change. How many of you know that? Willpower alone won't bring change. That's what we're going to look at today. And I want to tell you a story about Jesus. And and Jesus was incredible in the way that he walked into scenes and situations. And there's this scene in John chapter 5. And uh, he goes to a place called Bethesda. And there's a pool at Bethesda. And around the pool are a whole host of people who have needs and they have issues. And there's things about their life that they want to change, especially their physical health. And um, there's a superstition that was going around at the time that an angel would come down and stir the waters of the pool. And if you got in quick enough, then you'd get your healing. And one day when Jesus pitches up, there's loads of people around and it doesn't record that Jesus spoke to people other than this one man. Now, maybe Jesus did speak to others. We don't know. But this one man he spoke to and this man had been there for 38 years And the Bible says, and we wouldn't use this terminology now, but the Bible said that he was lame. In other words, he couldn't walk. He was paralysed. And imagine how frustrating it is when actually um, there's the stirring of the waters and the superstition and everyone's getting in and he can't get in because everybody else gets there before him. He's desperate for change. He's maybe got the willpower, but he just can't get there. And Jesus comes to him and Jesus asks him a really, really, kind of powerful, but on the surface, frustrating question. He says to him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And I can imagine the guy saying, are you kidding? 
Like I've been here for 38 years and I just get myself, I, I kind of get my, you know, our granddaughter at the moment, she's just starting to try and walk and she's crawling and she's on her knees and I can imagine this guy trying to do that, but every time he tries to do that, somebody else beats him. So not only is there the frustration of his condition, there's the disappointment that other people always seem to get ahead of this guy. Do you want to get well? Now, when you pause and you think about that, of course the answer is yes. Why would Jesus even ask the question? Jesus asked the question because Jesus is really smart. Because he knows that actually willpower alone and just wanting or saying that we want to get well is not always enough. Let me uh, describe it or let me reframe the question. Do you want to stop that habit? Do you want to be better with your money? Do you want to lose the weight? Do you want to be more loving? Do you want to stop having those thoughts? Do you want to be more generous? Do you want to share your faith more at work? Do you want to make a difference? All the answers to those questions, we might say yes. But the problem is this. Many years ago, I read some research, okay? I believe that all truth is God's truth, okay? And, and I read widely, not just with the Bible, but outside of that. And I was reading some research from the area of medicine, medical research on heart disease. And I've shared this with you before. Some of you, you'll remember, I'm sure. And the research suggested this, that of those who had chronic heart disease, they were told by doctors that unless they change something about their life, their diet, exercise, Stop smoking, stop drinking, something. They've got to change something or they will die. Do you know how many did it? One in seven. One in seven who were told that if you don't change, you will die. Only one in seven made the change. Were the other six wanting to die? Of course not. Their desire would be that they would live. Their willpower, but they weren't willing or they weren't able to change. And I think that that describes something in my life and in your life. There's an inability to close the gap between what we say we want and what we're actually able to do. Let me explain it to you. Let me use the weight example, okay? I want to lose a bit of happy weight, okay? I want to lose a bit of lockdown weight. So here's what I do. Here's what I want. I want to lose some weight. But here's what I do or don't do that fights against that, okay? So I say I want to but I eat the wrong food at the wrong time when I'm not really hungry. And what we do is we go between what we want and what we do or don't do that fight against that. Are you with me? So here's what I want. I want to be better with my finances, but here's what I do or I don't do. Okay, and I keep going back between these two things. But when Jesus comes along and says, do you want to get well? I think he's inviting the man to go even deeper. He's inviting him to go from not just what you want or from what you say you want, Sound like a Spice Girl song. If what you say you want to what you do or you don't do to what's underneath and hidden, really what is really going on. Because underneath all of this, so here's what I want to do. I want to lose weight. But here's what I do or don't do. I eat the wrong food at the wrong time when I'm not even hungry. Why? Why? Maybe I'm not happy about some other aspect of my life and it's comfort eating. Maybe I can't stand the feeling of feeling empty. There's something deeper going on here, which is working as a break to the accelerator that I want. I say I want this, that's an accelerator, but it's like there's a break and it's like I'm pressing the accelerator and the brake at exactly the same time. And guys, before you think that I've lost my mind and this is just all psychology, let's go to the Bible 
to the Apostle Paul who says this in Romans chapter 7. Look at this. I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. How simple and clear is that? Can you get that? Then he says, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Anyone identify with Paul? I mean, I do. It's like, I get that. It's like, that's me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I want to do this, but I can't. I don't want to do this, but I do. It's like there's an accelerator and a brake, and I'm pressing both at exactly the same time. Willpower alone won't bring change. And I want to open up a thought, and I'm going to open it up even more next week. And, it, and it, it's around a dirty word, okay? <laughs> a word that none of, you, none of us like, okay? You don't like, I don't like. And it's a D word, okay? And it's the word discipline. And it's not about willpower, because willpower is I want to do it. Discipline is a whole different deal. And here's the big idea. You've got to choose what you want most over what you want now. You've got to choose what you want most over what you want now. Several years ago, there was a um, very famous test done called the marshmallow test. I've shown this before. Some of you will know this, but it's so good. And the idea is this, that some kids were placed uh, in, in, a, in a room and some marshmallows were put in front of them, okay, big ones. And um, their parent came along and said, hey, here's the marshmallow and you can have it, but if you don't have it, in other words, if you delay the gratification, if you choose not to take that now, I'll give you two later on. And then the parents left the room. And, and, and the tests that went on over years uh, kind of tracked the idea that those that could wait were more likely to succeed, were more likely to be better with other areas of their life and of their self-control than those who couldn't wait. Those who choose what they wanted most over what they wanted now had better outcomes in life. And it's such, such an important life lesson. And I want to open that up uh, with us today. But you know, the other thing you see, because we want stuff and, that, and then the willpower comes in, but it's also not just about what we want. It's about the direction that we set our lives as well. And a guy called Andy Stanley years ago said this, direction, not intention, determines our destination. In other words, intention is okay, but that won't determine your destination. In other words, if you and I, or if you, or I, or you and I, if we wanted to travel to the south of France to go on holiday, and I know that's a little bit of a touchy subject right now for all of us, okay? But imagine if we want to. Now, we're located in Howells Owen, just outside Birmingham, so we're in the middle of the UK. So if we want to go to the south of France, we've got to drive south. That's our desire and our intention. But if our direction is that we start driving up the M6 north, okay, it doesn't matter your intention. You can pray all you like. You're not ending up in the south of France. You're ending up in Scotland. And there's nothing wrong with Scotland, but it's not the south of France. In other words, direction, not intention, determines our destination. And I want to encourage you, whether you are a person of faith or not, what you want most in life is not going to come just through willpower alone. It's going to come through discipline and it's going to come through direction. And when we bring these two things together, and I want to show you a powerful thing out of the Bible, I believe that that will bring not just this kind of change that we can bring ourselves, but it can actually bring transformation, which is something that we can't do ourselves. Only God can do within us and through us. And Paul gets this when he's writing this in Romans chapter 7 because he goes on and he says this. Um, 
Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? So like I keep pressing the accelerator and the brake at exactly the same time. And then he says, I'm miserable. Who will free me? He realises that there's not just something missing from his life, but there's someone missing from his life and from his experience. And that word miserable is really interesting because in the original language, it's the word taliporous. And it literally means distressed, wretched, afflicted, beaten down. It's the idea that you're trying really hard, but you're beaten down by the sense of failure. You're never trying to do that in some part of your life. You tried so hard in this part of your life. I know that I've got challenges in my life. And me and Alison were talking about it this week. I think about my challenges again. Uh, no, <laughs> because I guess thinking about 20 years in leadership and, and, and actually she said, you've grown so much in this area. And I have, but I'm still struggling with it. You know, And there's that sense that actually on your own, just with willpower, you feel miserable because you're trying really hard. You know, and it's like you're kind of beaten down because no matter how hard you try, it doesn't seem to really shift. Now, this series, uh, Greater Reward, is a series given to us by Life Church in America. Pastor Craig Grishel, very generous, gives these series all around the world. So we're going to use some of their content. We're going to bring some of our own content and ideas in as well. But this next bit is, is definitely his, and I want to credit him with this. And he talks about a cycle of shame. And I see this so much. I've seen it in my own life, and I see it in other people's lives as well. And this is what the cycle of shame can look like. It starts off from the position where we say, I'm bad. This is our kind of identity. And so what we do is we try harder. But when we try harder in any area of our life, our willpower begins to weaken. And when our willpower begins to weaken, inevitably we fail. And then when we fail, we feel guilt and we feel shame. And so the cycle starts again and we try harder. When it starts from the position that I'm bad, we just try harder. I'll do it through willpower. Okay, so I'll do the weight thing. I'll do the, 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 the exercise thing. And, I, and, and that's all important. But if it's only willpower, eventually we'll fail. We'll feel guilt and we'll feel shame. And the whole cycle of shame will start again and again. Something is missing from this strategy. Not just something, but someone. And I think Paul nails it in verse 25 when he says this. Thank God. Anyone want to say that? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because of my nature, my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. But thank God I don't have to do all this stuff just on my own. Willpower alone won't bring change. Actually, Jesus brings it in us and through us. Paul is not talking about behaviour modification. And if you're a person today not of faith, then hopefully this will be helpful to you. But if you are a person of faith, I'm not talking about behaviour modification. That's fine. I'm talking about spiritual transformation. You see, the key to real change is not willpower, but His power. It's not willpower, but it's His power. Yes, we have our discipline. Yes, we set our direction, but we need to anchor it into who He is because only He, Jesus, can bring real spiritual transformation. Real and lasting transformation begins when we change our sense of identity. Rather than I'm bad, I am who God says I am. I am who God said. That's my identity. Out of my identity, real transformation can happen. And Paul puts it this way in Galatians 5, and I'm going to read it uh, from the Amplified Version, which basically 
does what it says, amplifies the words and the meanings. Paul says, but I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. I love that. In other words, don't just walk in the Holy Spirit on one day. Walk habitually as in like a habit. Make this your habit of your life. Seek Him and be responsive to His guidance. And then you'll certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature. In other words, when you root yourself in who Jesus is, in your identity, and you're so connected to who He is, then actually it's not just your nature that's going to work out because that responds impulsively without regard for God and His precepts. And I think what Paul is getting at here is saying that once you, once you change your sense of identity, everything else begins to flow out of that. And he uses the word walk in the original language, peripateo. It literally means a, a, a continual. It's in the present continuous tense. So it's, it's not just a th- one thing I do. I continually walk this way. This is the way I'm going to walk. I'm going to set habits in my life. I'm going to set disciplines in my life. I'm going to set direction in my life in such a way that actually as I set those things and as I root myself in my identity, Jesus brings about the change from the inside out. Isn't that amazing? Jesus brings about the change that I, that you, that we could never, ever bring about on our own. That's why it's so important to change the way that we think. James Clear was a guy that wrote a book called Atomic Habits. He says, instead of focusing on a goal that you want to achieve, focus on the identity that you want to have. So I know many young people these days, I talk to loads of young people and I often, I'm a, I'm a massive reader, okay? And so I say, you've got to read, you've got to read. And young people say, I'm not a reader, I'm not a reader. Change your identity. Stop saying I'm not a reader. Start saying I'm a reader. It's amazing how different that mindset will do. Maybe you want to give up smoking. Start with the identity that says, I'm a non-smoker. You know, it, maybe there's another area of your life and you, maybe you're struggling with porn addiction. You want to say to yourself, that's not who I am. I am who God says I am. And if I start in that place of identity, then I access the life-transforming power of Jesus so much more easier. And then Craig Rochelle goes on to talk about it, flipping it to be this cycle, not of shame, but a cycle of change. When we start with, I belong to Jesus, that's who I am. So I'm going to depend on the Spirit. And I'm going to build my faith as I put down great habits, as I set great directions, as I build in great disciplines, not just willpower, but when I set those in and I depend on the Spirit, He empowers the right actions. That brings me closer to God and I want to depend on the Spirit even more. And I just want to, I I spent like maybe years of my early Christian life, okay, I became a Christian at 15, really trying to live the Christian life until I realised that nobody can live the Christian life. Only one person has ever lived the Christian life and his name is Jesus Christ. And I have to stop trying to live the life and let him live his life through me. Now that means I do things. That means willpower is important. It means discipline is important. It means direction is important. But it's not my sweat and tears and discipline and willpower alone. It's his power at work within me. That's the cycle of change. Choose what you want most over what you want now. And not just what do you want, but who do you want to become, it's so important. And so Paul goes on to say in Galatians, go back, we'll go back to Galatians 5, that when we, when we choose the right things, when we build the right habits, when we set the right direction, when we know our identity, then Jesus does the change on the inside out. And it reads like this. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, 
That's inner peace. Patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Anyone like me that think, I'd love to be able to see that in my life more? Or is it just me? Is it just me? Okay, just me. Nobody else in the room. But I, I want to see that more in my life. I know that I can't produce all of that on my own. Willpower alone would not do it. If it could, I'd have done it a long time ago. But every single day, I've got to choose. Today, I want to walk independent, in, in dependence on the Holy Spirit. I want to walk habitually with the Holy Spirit. I want to say, I know today I belong to Jesus. That's who I am. And out of that, I'm going to set a direction. And out of that, I'm going to bring disciplines. And out of that, I'm going to depend on Jesus to bring the transformation within me. I want to talk just as we finish a little bit about habits. I don't know about you, but our habits have changed over this last 12, 15 months, hasn't it? I mean, it wasn't your habit 16 months ago to wear a mask and to, to walk into a church building and to sit a few seats uh, in front, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, outside, away from somebody else. It wasn't your habit to watch online like you are now. It wasn't your habit to do certain things. In fact, it's just become a way of life, hasn't it? But here's the thing. I wonder how many of our habits that we've built over the last year or so actually are not are going to take us further away from where we want to go rather than closer. Maybe some of us have built some brilliant habits over this last 15 months or so. I hope so. But you know, if it takes 40 days to build a habit, you and I have had almost 400, haven't we, in this lockdown. And I want to say, if we want to see change, if we want to see a greater reward, if we want to see our lives like we read in the Bible, and, and if we want to see our marriages better, you know, if we want to see our relationships better, if we want to see our health and our, our physical, our mental, our relational, our emotional health better, we've got to build really good habits into our life that come out of our, our identity of who we are in Jesus. And as I thought about this at the end of this message, I thought one of, the, one of the most famous books ever written in the last, I don't know, 50 years is a book that became a world bestseller. It was written quite a while ago now by a guy called Stephen Covey. It was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I just thought about what would be the seven habits of highly effective Jesus followers. And actually, if these seven habits I built into my life, this is not just about willpower, but if I built these seven habits into my life, rooted in my identity in Jesus. What could Jesus do in me and through me? So that not only that I did what I want to do or, or that he did what he wanted to do in me, but I became who he wanted me to become. So I want to just lead you through these seven habits, which I've just written down. And I want to talk a little bit into these in the, in the weeks to come. Okay, habit number one. So it all starts because I belong to Jesus. So I'm not just, this is not like a religious thing. It's not just like a set of rules. It's because I belong to Jesus. These are the habits. This is who I am. Because I belong to Jesus, this is who I am. This is how I'm going to build my life. Habit number one is about the Bible. I will let God's Word shape my life every day. Now, I know for some of you, over this lockdown season, your relationship with God through the Bible has really grown and that's been brilliant. Maybe for some of us, we've got out of the habit. And you know, if you are a Jesus follower, I want to say, this is not just like a, you must do this do you know what I mean? to keep God happy. Hey, no, because I belong to Jesus, I want His Word to shape my life every day. So for me, 
What I do is uh, when I wake up in the morning, um, which is never on the alarm these days, I can't remember the last time the alarm uh, woke me up. It's, it's much more earlier than that. I don't know what that's about, but there you go. Oh, as soon as I wake up, one of the things I do is I take my Version Bible and I read the word for today. And that's what I do. That's the first thing I do. Now, what, what helps with that is that there's a thing called a streak on that, okay? And I'm like 320 on the streak. And like, because I'm competitive, there's no way I want to let that streak be broken. But I will break that streak. I'll miss a day. I'm sure that will happen. And when I do, do you know what the cycle of shame says? The cycle of shame says, you missed the streak. What a miserable person you are, give up. But when I say, no, I belong to Jesus, okay? Then when I do drop it one day, I'm just going to start again. So it may be for you, it's one reading a day. It's one verse a day. It's five minutes. But it may be that it goes longer than that. Because then after that, when I've showered and done all the rest of the thing, have my breakfast, then I'll sit down and, and have my time with God where I'll read more scripture, etc., etc. But it doesn't matter. It's not about the time. It's about I want, you want to say every day, I want God's word to shape my life. I want to encourage you to build that habit into your life. Habit number two. Habit number two is prayer. I will seek to develop a conversation with God every day. Do you know what's been really interesting through, through lockdown? I've got these, we've got these earpieces in here, okay? So um, I'm, people are talking to me at various times saying that you're clear, you can go to the studio. That, in fact, now I've, I've joked to some people, I don't know how to live without somebody talking in my ear. Do you know what I mean? It's because there's a conversation being developed and, and it's natural. Prayer is not something that I sit down and do, although you can do that. Prayer is about developing a conversation with God every single day. I want to encourage you guys, build that habit. Because you belong to Jesus, build that habit into your life. As we come out of lockdown, build that habit, so important. Number three, church. I will make gathering with other believers a regular part of my life. Now, guys, I know, I know the world has changed, okay? I do know that. Okay, and many of you, you can't gather in person because you couldn't get a ticket here or because you're a distance away. And I understand that. The point is, the habit is that I'm not going to do life on my own. I'm going to gather with other people, whether that's in person, whether it's online. I want to say to you, this is so important. Many of us have really missed that through this season and we're longing for the day when we can do it more. There are many believers who've got out of the habit and may never, ever return. I want to say something challenging. I read this on social media. I don't know where it came from uh, originally. This is so challenging. And um, it says this, parents who treat the church as optional shouldn't be surprised when their children treat Jesus as unnecessary. Ouch. It's so true. I've seen it so many times. When we begin to treat church as optional, don't be surprised when, when our kids treat Jesus as unnecessary. This is a habit. It's good for your soul. It's good for your spiritual life. It's what it's how God has created us to be, to say, I'm going to gather. I'm going to choose to gather. And now with digital technology, you know, we can be away. We can be on holiday and we can still connect in. We can still be fed. We can still belong to the body of Christ. It's so, so important. Number four, I'll rattle through these, is connect group. I will choose to live life in community. I've been so grateful to God for my connect group through this past uh, 15 months. I'm not going to do life on my own. So, do I want to go every time? No. Is there other things that I'd rather do? Yeah, but I want to choose what I want most 
over what I want now. And what I want most is I want to live my life in community. And maybe if you're not in a connect group, as we emerge out of lockdown, now's a great opportunity to say, I want to live life in community. Will everybody be wonderful and nobody do my head in? Probably not. But that's how we are growing, isn't it? Not through being with people that we love all the time, but maybe being in a challenging situation. Yes, where it's supported, but where we're growing in community together. Number five, you have to go serve. I will commit to contribute, not just to consume. Again, over the last 400 days, many of us have got out of the habit of serving. We haven't been able to serve. I know some of our kids workers and youth workers haven't been able to do what they normally do. And maybe we've got out of the habit of serving. But as we emerge out of lockdown, If we want that greater reward, let's commit to contribute, not just to consume. Every single one of you have got a gift for the kingdom of God. Let's think, how can we serve? Number six, give. I will evidence that God is first in my life by the way I give financially. You know, I think for me, this is probably one of the biggest tests of of my identity. If I belong to Jesus, then Jesus is first in my life. And that's why the Bible talks a lot about giving in in the sense of a first. So, you know, there's the first day of the week. There's that sense of of giving to God financially first. In other words, I don't just give to everything else and spend money everywhere else. And then whatever is left over at the end, I give to God. That doesn't evidence God being first in my life. What evidences God being first in my life is that with money, the first bit goes to God. That's how I evidence it. That's a habit. And when we build that kind of habit, God can bring spiritual transformation. And finally, number seven, share. I will do all I can to help others find and follow Jesus. I was blown away this morning when uh, one of the guys on the tech crew said to me, I've got to tell you this story. And he basically recounted this story about somebody else in another church that had lost their faith completely through a very, very difficult situation. And somebody else said, hey, you want to check out Life Central Church? And they started watching us. And through one of the messages here, this person gave their life back to God. And I thought to myself, God is doing way more behind our backs than he ever does in front of our faces. But I don't know about you, but as we emerge out of lockdown, wouldn't it be incredible if every single one of us built a habit more and more in our life that we are going to do all we can to share the good news about Jesus Christ? Wouldn't that be amazing? And I know for me and my own spiritual life, when I'm more in that space and that's the direction of my life and that's the habit that's being built in my life, I know that I'm closer to God. I know that God is bringing change in my life. But when I'm off course for that, then it shows up in so many other areas of my life. You see, when we choose what we want most over what we want now, not only do we change, but also we grow. Guys, if you're in the room, why don't you stand with me? And maybe... For those of you in the room, those of you watching online, maybe God has spoken to you today. And maybe as you look, you know, as we begin to think about emerging out of lockdown, what state are we in? What state is our life in? What habits are we building in our life? What direction is our life heading in? Because our direction, not our intention, will determine our destination. Willpower alone won't bring the change that we're looking for. And so maybe I don't know whether it is today that that you could say to God, hey God, here's here's a habit in my life that I've just let slip or I've gone in a different direction. And you don't need to feel guilt or shame about it. You just need to change. You just need to say to God, God, I want to go in a different direction. God, would you help me? Would you help me to build this habit into my life? So I want to invite you right now, wherever you are, maybe just to 
Maybe close your eyes for a moment. If you're watching online as well, unless you're driving, then don't close your eyes. But just open your hands out before the Lord and just ask Him to speak into your life today. And maybe as I pray for you, maybe there's a step that you know you need to take. Maybe there's one of those habits that you've just let slip. And you want to say, no, I, I want to do that. Not because I have to, not out of guilt or shame, but out of desire. Maybe you could just surrender that to God again and ask Him to help you. Ask Him to help you to make this a habitual part of your life and that you experience the joy and the peace and the power. And if you're watching online, you know, there's going to be a link come up here to our next steps. And maybe you want to make a response today. Maybe you want to join a connect group, find out how you can give, you want to serve, you want to take a next step. You can do that right now as I pray. Jesus, we thank you that you call us into a life of transformation. You call us not just into a life of willpower, sweat and tears and trying, but you call us into a relationship with you. And when we are anchored in that relationship with you, you change us to become more and more like you. Lord, we're not there yet. I'm not there yet by a long way. But God, thank you. Thank you that you never give up on us. From the Scripture there, that He who began a good work in you will carry on to completion. And I believe someone needs to hear that today. The God who's begun a good work in you will carry on to completion. We've just got to cooperate with Him. And so Lord, we choose today to surrender to You, not because we have to, but because of who we are in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, we're going to sing an incredible song together. And I want to invite you online as well. Don't just disconnect now, but let the power of this song really draw you into that relationship with God again. And maybe as you're watching, maybe you're in the room uh, or you're online and you haven't given your life to God. Maybe you're, you're new to this whole faith thing. You know, you can do that as well. You can give your life to God. You really can. Today, we'd love to help you with that. And there'll be some uh, drop on the chat there as well or talk to somebody on your way out. We'd love to do that. You know, this song talks about our identity and who we are. And I think it's so important that we start in this place of identity. You see, we're not slaves to fear. We're not slaves to our, well, we are kind of slaves to our nature. We were, but because of Jesus now, we're children of God. That's who we are. And so you might want to say, you know, I want a good marriage. You say, no, I've got a great marriage, but we're just not there yet. Okay, you know, and I want to be, you know, this is who I am. You know, I'm not someone chained to that. I'm not someone in slavery to that. I am who God says I am. I wonder how many of us here and watching, somebody has said or done something that still shapes your opinion of yourself all these years later. My prayer is that as we sing this song, the Holy Spirit will break the power of that over your life. And that word that has been said over you or about you, that shaped your opinion of you would be replaced by the truth of this song. We are no longer slaves to fear. We are children of God. Let's worship.